hobbies out there that revolve around sport. Many of them are quite memorable in our society. Some, like Miracle, depict a historical moment. Others, like Field of Dreams, center around fictional events. And then there are some, like Caddyshack, that are, well, they're just for the fun of the game. Today's subject follows a sport not among the top-followed games here in America, but one that is beloved around the world. It centers around a rugby player in Britain in the 1960s and depicts his life on and off the playing field. A story about fame and unrequited love from a unique voice in British cinematic history. So if you're like me, subject is by a great British director by the name of Lindsay Anderson. Those who are familiar with his filmography will undoubtedly know which film is today's subject. It's a movie based on a novel by an ex-rugby player, David Story, who also wrote the screenplay. This Sporting Life is a film about many things. Rugby, celebrity, unrequited love, and the juxtaposition of economic classes. It's a film that drew me in quite easily thanks to the actors on the screen and how the story played out in front of me. The movie follows Frank Machen, an ex-minor turned rugby star who lives with a widow, Mrs. Hammond, and her two young children. Frank is a short-tempered, oppressive, and brutish man who is in love with his landlady, Margaret Hammond. A man who channels his emotions through physical outbursts and aggression. Mrs. Hammond, loyal to her late husband, matches Frank's brutish nature with blunt honesty and cutting commentary on his character and his lifestyle. It's a film that is uncomfortable, yet magnetizing all at the same time. Backed by brilliant performances of its leads, the film has built a reputation as one of Britain's finest films, regularly making the BFI's list of top 100 British films ever made. Released in 1963 and told through black and white film, 
is a story told in a fragmented way, much like the relationship between the two leads. We as the audience see things happen in both present and flashback, challenging us at every turn. The main characters of Frank Machen is played by Richard Harris, and that of Margaret Hammond is played by Rachel Roberts, both of whom are absolutely phenomenal in the roles they portray. The pair under Lindsay Anderson's direction brings a rawness to the screen that feels gritty and utterly truthful. This is undoubtedly aided by Anderson's past experience of documentary filmmaking. Prior to making This Sporting Life, Anderson had directed documentaries of various topics. These included Meet the Pioneers, which was an upbeat account of work in the coal industry. Oh, Dreamland, which depicted a day at the amusement park. And Thursday's Children, which was about the Royal School for the Deaf, the latter of which earned him an Academy Award for Best Documentary Short. I think it's that documentary background that makes this sporting life feel all the more candid. This Sporting Life was among films made in an art movement in Britain called Kitchen Sink Realism. Prior to this movement, British visual media usually depicted the working class in unrealistic vantage points. Stereotypes and rose-tinted views filled the void in a country in time where the economic class structure continued to widen. The Kitchen Sink Movement which stretched from the 50s to the early 60s, intended to inject a different viewpoint. One of everyday people dealing with everyday life and tackled topics unseen up to that point. Things like disintegrating marriages, homelessness, sexual orientation, racial discrimination, and thwarted aspirations. Influenced by the earlier French New Wave, British filmmakers released movies in the same vein, and in doing so, broke through norms and reached fertile ground on the other side. A lot of times, leads in these films were angsty, rebellious young men and women. Kitchen sink realism brought a new sense of story to British cinema, and with it, came legendary films that are revered to this day. Some of these include The Loneliness of the Long Distance Runner, Saturday Night, Sunday Morning, and Kess. This Sporting Life is wholeheartedly a kitchen sink film and one of its greatest byproducts. The movie itself is full of juxtaposition, irony, and grit. Frank, who once scoffed at the idea of sport and making heroes of the men who play to crowds, becomes an overnight celebrity himself. When he gets a tryout for the local rugby team, he is offered a substantial contract, totaling 1,000 pounds, which is around 25,000 pounds in today's economy. Unlike some of his teammates, however, he doesn't play for the love of the game, 
just the coin he gets in return. Frank himself sums his attitude towards rugby best when he says, I don't enjoy getting kicked around the football field for other people's amusement. I only enjoy it if I've been paid a lot for it. He's a man who enjoys providing for those he cares for as much as he does impressing his success on those around him. At times, these two things intertwine and blur his true motives. Margaret is Frank's landlady and mother of two children, acutely aware what those around her think of her living situation. She loves her late husband and has his boots by the hearth, polishing them regularly. Calloused by her past and the tragic loss of her husband, she bottles her emotions to a boiling point. She has a caustic tongue, which helps release some of that pressure, but only makes her home life with Frank all the more strained. Of course, Frank doesn't help things with his attitude, but that's a different topic entirely. It's not all stressful, however, as the two do have moments when they seem happy. Frank is also very good to her two young children, regularly playing with them and making sure they are provided for. One scene in particular illustrates this, when Frank takes Mrs. Hammond and her children to the countryside for a fun afternoon. In the shadows of a castle ruin, Frank and the children play ball as he chases them around, imitating rugby passing. Margaret looks on, smiling while her children play, laughing happily in the grass. There are moments of this type of calmness sprinkled through the movie that give a bit of reprieve from the at-home sparring sessions that Frank and Margaret get themselves into. The movie plays out in the town of Yorkshire, England, which in the movie is embodied as an environment equally to the contrast of Frank and Margaret's relationship. Yorkshire is a working class town. Throughout the film, we see shots of factories, power stations, and smokestacks. The town comes out every game day to cheer on the boys who perform to beat their rival clubs. Scenes of the pulsating and jeering crowd below power station chimneys speak to the environment and the crowd's passion. Outside of the city limits, however, the population is more sparse and the atmosphere more quaint. Less homes than castles and abbeys, it's a place of lush grass, towering hills, flowing creeks, and endless beauty. You can find that juxtaposition all throughout the film in many different aspects. However, it was the allure of the acclaim the performances had that drew me to this picture. At the time, I was in the thralls of exploring film and discovering works from unfamiliar directors. With this movie, I was intrigued, as I usually am, by its cover art and sought out more information about it. Stumbling upon an article that boasted a claim that Harris's performance rivaled that of Brando's in On the Waterfront, my curiosity was rightly piqued. 
Such high praise, and yet at the same time, a bold claim, I thought. So I sat down, and I watched it. I was not expecting what I saw. This film did many things for me as a viewer. At times, I felt confused by the cuts and disjointed storytelling, while at the same time loving the pace of it all. Other times, I found myself at odds with the lead's choices. As a man, particularly Frank's. To be Frank, pun very much intended, is to be a brute, or as Margaret calls him, a great ape. He's an overly aggressive man whose emotions are so foreign to him that violence is the only outlet he knows. I opposed his attitude and rationale towards decision-making, but felt myself melt into the film. It made a tremendous impression on me as to what is possible with acting and direction. I always come back to this movie when someone asks about great acting, as I believe it's among the very best examples we have. By the end of it all, I was quite moved and inspired. As I said before, it lives in the uncomfortable, but it's done so well that I revisit it from time to time. It also made me want to see more of Anderson's works and have really enjoyed his other releases. This Sporting Life is a film that sadly was underappreciated in its time. It didn't do well at the box office, but despite that, it did impress critics upon its release. Anderson followed this up with another full-length feature film in 1968, which shocked audiences the world over and garnered respect and acclaim. It was a film about a young man named Mick Travis and his friends in a boarding school, allegorizing British society, a movie called If. With If's success, this sporting life gained attention from a new generation and started gaining a larger audience and praise. Over the years, Anderson's debut feature remains a highlight of Britain's film history. This sporting life boasts tremendous performances from both Harris and Roberts. Each approaches their role with so much honesty, vulnerability, and emotion that it's easy to get lost in the movie. As brilliant as Harris was in his role, Roberts is equally up to task. If there's one thing to point out in this film, it surely is the performances they both put to celluloid. Both actors ended up winning awards for their efforts, including Roberts winning a BAFTA for Best Actress, and Harris winning Best Actor at the Cannes Film Festival. They were also both nominated for Oscars that year. As for the claim that Harris's performance equals that of Brando's and On the Waterfront, well, I'm not sure. They are certainly not equal, simply because they're so different, much like this sporting life was to the sports movie. It's funny, I was trying to think of another sports movie that is anything like this one. 
I could really only think of one solitary example. A movie equally about life on the field as much as off the field, and portrayed such honesty and realism in terms of its subject matter. The only film that came to mind was Raging Bull. If you'd like to watch this sporting life for yourself, you can find it on a variety of streaming services. At the time of this recording, you can find it on the Criterion channel. The Criterion channel is a streaming service of tremendous value from our friends at the Criterion Collection, with pricing options of either $9.99 per month or $99 per year, which is what I chose to do. Apart from the Criterion channel, you can also find it on Prime Video and Apple TV for $3.99 to rent. This episode was written and recorded by me, Brian Kinney, with music by Kevin McLeod. If you like this podcast, tell your friends and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Each week, there will be new content, including hints about episodes before they air. If you'd like to learn more about the podcast, please visit our website at glazedcinema.com. There, you'll find more info about the show, including a place to submit ideas for future episodes. For film fans who are hearing impaired, the blog page on our website features each episode in written form as well. As always, thanks for listening, and I hope to see you next time with another beverage and another fine film on Glazed Cinema. Cinema.